This ripple won't fade. It'll grow and grow until it's a tidal wave. Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Yeah, I'm back. Nice of you to pick me up, Matt. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 306, Among Us Hide, is brought to you by DJ's Burgers, Coulson's favorite. (laughs) Indeed it is, Pete, and glad to be with all our favorite listeners tonight. We've overcome some bits and bobs that may have prevented the podcast from getting out, but we're here because you guys listen. Psyched to be here. And Pete, are you ready to get things going? Never more ready. And we catch you up on what went down. Our tease here, Matt, begins with a point of view recap from Dr. Andrew Garner, or shall we say, Lash. And I have to say, it was pretty apparent that this was going to take place by the end of the episode, given the description, given the recap of that scene. Yeah, I mean, just looking at my notes here, you know, lots of exposition about how he's narrating his angel savior scene. And then is Andrew a reliable narrator? I mean, obviously, after the fact, we know that's not the case, but there was just something off about how he told it. Pete, I would even argue that we're going to return to this idea a lot tonight that there's just something off with the writing in this episode. But at least the writing in this scene is off because his story is off. Yeah, talks about how, you know, he had a uh, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent tailing him, that uh, this kid, Alex, from his class, uh, had the gasoline, had a lighter. He barely made it out the door. The blast knocked him clean. The second he said that, I said, all right, how you doing, Lash? Let's see how they tie this one together. I will admit I was not as quick on the draw. However, in retrospect, among us hide dot dot dot. I feel like I should have put this together in the teaser act. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, the end... sometimes you're so spoiler free <laughs> that it's like you realize, hey, I don't have the, I don't have the spoiler experience to know what to do. Yeah, and given that. Uh, Garner is pretending to be worried about Ward. You know, what if he comes and and May has to reassure him? Oh, he won't. Okay, and and May is mad at Hunter um, that he wanted revenge. That this uh, this didn't quite all worked out. Of course, the way that they hoped. He had one shot. He missed it. He is now off the assignment. Later, he will say that Coulson has placed him on the bench. And May says that she is back as we end our teaser. Indeed, May is pissed and back. Nice to see the the title card. Pete, I'm trying to bring my A game here, but I have an honest-to-goodness question. Is this a new title card? And I don't mean from last week. Is this a new title card? Because it looked like it had more gadgets and gizmos and animation than I remembered it. Or was last week's wacky episode, did that just, I don't know, scramble my brain? I think your brain might be a little scrambled. That's that's possible too. 
Act One here, and uh, Shield has uh, sent a man to assassinate Ward. At least that is his uh, hypothesis. Even though we know that uh, Hunter was going a little off script there, but uh, a thread has been dangled, and it is Von Strucker who is being searched for by both Shield and Hydra. My take on this scene is uh, summed up in four words. Ward wants revenge. Mwahahahahaha. <laughs> that sounded like slightly more than four words. Well, mwahahahahaha uh, is a long word. Uh, maybe. I, I like using them, them big vocabulary words. But as Kibo puts it here, the kid knows too much and uh, Ward authorizes him to take care of him. Um, Lash, meanwhile, we learn, was apparently tracking uh, members of S.H.I.E.L.D., specifically Daisy and Mac. And Daisy has hypothesized to this point that he is a member of the ATCU, although we've really already gotten the pretty strong hints at the beginning of the episode that he's not. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's Daisy putting forth a theory that we've all had, which they must have known that was at the very least the most low-hanging fruit. Um, again, I mean, you know, this is another scene where it's just kind of, I mean, it's not poor writing, but it's just, there is something off about this episode, and I'm struggling to come up with the right words to say it, just because it's, I mean, it's compelling action, but... You know, throughout the episode, it's just things like this where what does this scene add? Well, not much if your theory is it's somebody for, you know, Roz's group. And if if you're really playing along with the idea on first viewing that it's Andrew based on his unreliable uh, story from the teaser, then she's also not giving new information. So what what does this scene do? My conclusion is not much. Coming on the heels of last week's very unorthodox episode, I'm going to tell you, Matt, how this one was broken in the writer's room. Okay? Lash reveal episode. Go. <laughs> Last act. Lash revealed. <laughs> what do we do for the other 41 minutes? Yeah. Because that's, you know what, Pete, I mean, joking aside, I think you've hit the nail on the head perfectly. That's what this whole episode is about. Let's play shoots and ladders to avoid getting to spot 100 lash reveal wins. Right. You know? And it's the old misdirect of, okay, it can't be the guy who's talking in the beginning of the episode. Oh, so it's Banks. Maybe it's Rosalind because of Coulson's, you know, oddball suspicions about her. Maybe it's going to be Von Strucker. Nope come all the way back around it's garner um and that's fine it is a different origin for the character other than um you know what has taken place in the comics and it's going to remain to be seen uh whether this character has been an inhuman much longer than the outbreak and you know given may's relationship with him everything that's going to go on there but, you know, such is the nature of, uh, you know, episodic drama. 
I hope they do something with that. You know, the whole, you know, whether it's you want to say, ooh, he has tainted blood, so you talk about, you know, illnesses of whatever type, you know, ooh, like, you know, is it going to be an AIDS metaphor? or Tainted uh, love, Matt. They have tainted love. Boop, boop. (laughs) Or is it going to be, you know, oh, he had, it's, you know, this has been his secret, he's in the closet. I mean, I hope they do something with it as opposed to, like, He's a college professor who's also a terrible beast. <laughs> Sounds like it should be on the WB or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Rosalind is, is going to give Colson a tour of the, uh, the ATCU facility today. Um, and Daisy wonders aloud if he's become too attached. But he talks about how he's been able to cut himself off. Meanwhile, there is a very tense exchange between Bobby and May uh, that culminates, Matt, in a melee. Indeed. And May is so kind of extra angry in the scene. I found her borderline unprofessional, and I get it that somebody close to her has been presumably attacked as a result of sloppy work. On Hunter's part, because he's trying to prove to his ex-wife that he's a good guy. I mean, it's, it's somewhat circuitous, but that's the name of the episode, or at least that's the the process of the episode. Um, I, it, I almost had to wonder: Did the network say we need more angry smoldering from everyone? <laughs> so we will do it here, and then a fight breaks out. Right, and you know what it turns into? Oh, you can fight your own battles. I needed to make sure you were mission ready. Wheels up in 20. It's hackneyed. I'm sorry. That's a hackneyed thing where it's like, I'm not actually your enemy. I'm actually your friend. You know, you you thought you were just waxing on and waxing off the cars. Now you're ready for ninja. It's like, okay. Again, there's just something about this episode that isn't good. It isn't bad. It's just... Mm, moderately poorly written it's a great story that's moderately poorly executed act two brings us uh may warning hunter to stay away here pete as i said we're back to the extra extra smolder here you know it's it's again i get on an emotional level i get on a on a flow chart in a writer's room why she's angry at him but I mean, isn't this the nature of being a spy that, that, you know, you're after someone who wants to hurt you and now presumably Andrew has been hurt, you know, the, the, the innocent, the innocent bystander has been hurt. I mean, that's kind of, that goes with the territory. So I don't fully understand the anger here. It feels like it's been manufactured in that writer's room. Well, between that and between, you know, the Bobby Hunter drama, which, you know, we'll, we'll talk much more about in our level seven segment, because I, I think, Matt, it, it's time to acknowledge there's much more going on there. Um, you know, she says she's ready to go back into the field. He, of course, uh, you know, won't say I love you. Uh, you know, everything going on there. And before you know it, we're, we're up on the Zephyr one and there's talk of, uh, you know, four men, but only three bodies from the convenience store. Oh, that's cause my ex-husband is an inhuman. <laughs> yeah. 
also in that scene too, you know, on the plane, there's a lot of, you know, let's go here. We have a bank account there. Push this, push that. Bleepity bloppity. <laughs> We've seen scenes like this so many times before on S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, I think back to the, uh, you know, episode 204 last season, you know, which was screened at Comic-Con. That's probably why it sticks in my at mind. New but, York Comic-Con, Matt. In, let's be specific. Hey, the listen, best Comic-Con. Our listeners know that's the Comic-Con. But anyhow, that had a similar thing of, you know, the fake ID and the, you know, the thing in your ear and, oh, no, we're using the radar view and the, the blueprints. And it just feels like it's not being done great here. And you know what? I mean, look, I will keep repeating that because that's what we do. We analyze the show good most of the time and we call it things that are imperfect. But let me just say it within the context of sometimes you have episodes that misfire and that's okay. You know, they have deadlines and sometimes those deadlines fast approach and that's how it goes. Matt, how's your Mandarin? Um, you know what, Pete, I found that whenever someone spoke Mandarin in this episode, I completely understood what they were saying. So I guess, it's, I guess it's great. That's Anyhow. pretty good. We'll come back to your Mandarin in a little bit. Um, but between talk, like you mentioned, of Cayman banking accounts that have just uh, uh, woken up and uh, Mandarin, we get to uh, Werner von Strucker and uh, Powers Booth's yet unnamed on this show character. Really nice ability to scoop him up as somebody who is out there in the MCU and somebody who, correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, you know, had not, obviously was in Avengers 1, did not appear in Captain America 2, um, and something that at the time I think we just noted like, oh, what, you couldn't get him back, but you could get back, you know, the lady or something like that. So it being a loose thread for whatever reason on the movie end, it's nice that they're able to kind of scoop up the actor and turn that loose thread into... It was always on purpose after the fact, you know. I mean, you get to do that. I mean, there's the flip side, too. We're taking the writers to task for this episode. The flip side is if you can turn a loose thread into it actually isn't loose. It takes you somewhere you never knew you were going to go. You know, if you can do that, thumbs up. Well, he knew Baron Von Strucker, and he calls him a great man. Uh, he's aware of Grant Ward, so he's clearly in the know, and he says he'll handle everything here. I kind of like, not even kind of, I really like the idea of elevating him as a new big bad, um, and there's tons of story potential there, because you know who knows what his background is, who knows who his people are. Uh, we know from Ant-Man that you know Hydra is trying to recoalesce, at least in some quarters, um, we know, obviously, Ward is trying to do that on his own, although it kind of seems like Ward is perpetually with, you know, himself and BB ain't and and know, welder like, welder guy in the background <laughs> welder guy. There is somebody welding guy in every Hydra scene. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's just what you do, Pete. You hire British number two and oh, <laughs> a welder guy and a box mover guy. And then, then you're a foursome. I just, I just need to ask at one of these meetings, are we done welding everything? Could we maybe get some rivets or some snap on tools? It, it just feels like there's constantly welding happening. 
You know what, Pete? If everything in Hydra was welded, maybe it wouldn't keep falling apart. Boom. Wow. Well, Rosalind here picks up Coulson on the corner uh, only because he won't tell her where his base is. So there are very clearly trust issues that remain between uh, the ATCU and S.H.I.E.L.D. as far as this arrangement and sharing information. Pete, here's my trust issue. I trust that in the medium of film and television, you should show it, not tell it. But they don't show him getting picked up, which would have been interesting, and it could have been charming. Instead, it's just, oh, hey, here we are in a car. We're in a car because you picked me up in that thing we didn't show. Well, Matt, that is because through the magic of TV storytelling, we need to bookend this episode um, with three minutes of a flashback sequence. Uh, fairly, uh, fairly pointed out that indeed there are story and time limitations to all of this. Hunter and uh, Fitz wind up working together here, and though both have their minds elsewhere, um, he's working, Fitz is working on a portal simulation. And uh, Hunter, in one of the best lines of the episode, says that when your girlfriend's ex wants to visit from Phoenix, you do not buy him a ticket. It was a good line in a scene, Pete, that I would relate to uh, I would relate to a high school musical. Not the high school musical. We're into different Disney properties, but we don't go that far. But any any musical that you've seen, there's always kind of, you know, there's the music that the pit orchestra plays where people sing along. And then there's like the in-between stuff. And the in-between stuff can just repeat if like backstage they're not ready to open the curtain yet. So there'll be a lot of, you know, like da 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 And then if the director sees, you know, they need more time, it'll just, you know, the director will do the spinny circle finger thing and you'll just continue that's what this scene is about it's hey Fitz and Bobby trying to work stuff Fitz and Bobby whoa sorry shippers that's not what I meant to say yeah Hunter and Bobby still working on stuff hey that really awesome weird you know interesting episode from last week we're going to do quantum wormhole stuff in future. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and that's what this is about. Just saying, hey, there's other great bits in the future. Yeah. But uh, with Caitlin Freyer in the field here as she is, um, they've got to work on making sure that she is safe and providing uh, intelligence for both Bobby and May. On the other side here, Garner, meanwhile, catches up with uh, Daisy and, uh, oh, did you see Lash? Lash? Oh, right. That that was, again, further cementing. You are meant to know here, dear viewer, he is Lash. It's the <laughs> old, I'm going to be dumb to what you're talking about trope. Yeah, like, we're going to talk about Lash to make sure that we've talked about Lash. And, <laughs> you know, again, like, this is an episode that shows the writer's fingerprints. It shows the the ink that has dripped from the pen, whatever metaphor you want to use. You can see how this episode is working as it unfolds. 
Um, we do need to, and I'll bring it up now, take ABC's promo department to task. They, last week in the preview and right before this episode in the preview, referred to the death of Maze X. So I'm wondering, were they fed misinformation or incorrect information uh, to put this episode out? Pete. No, in fact, I'm not even going to talk to you right now, Pete. I'm going to talk directly to the listeners. Listeners, what Pete just said is the complaints of the spoiler. And, 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 and Pete, who has, who has grown fat in the spoiler Pete role, is here <laughs> expressing his anger because what happened was, or here's what I imagine. Probably it's like, you know, you need to give... X number of minutes to the promo department each week, whatever that might be. That's probably just a standard order from up above to make to make previews happen, you know. And be, they don't want to leave it in the hands of the creators themselves because you know they could be too secretive or too whatever. So you have to give us you know at least five minutes or whatever. And Agents of Shield probably you know gave five minutes from this episode that didn't reveal that Andrew was alive. So the promo department just went for it. Yes, I will completely agree that right now there's some ruddy-faced promo guy who probably, you know, hates his job because he thought that he was going to be a movie director one day, and now he just, like, cuts promos or whatever. Um, but, hey, at least the healthcare is okay. But and, and I'm sure he's embarrassed that they got it wrong. But for we, dear listeners, the spoiler-free, the spoiler-pure among us, this is a win for us. When I turn off the TV at the... Whatever the production company is with the rawr, you know, I, I, I don't even see the words anymore. I shut it off so quickly. This is a win for us. Boo, hiss, spoiler, Pete. Does your uh, spoiler uh, chastity promise ring uh, chafe your knuckle? Pete, it's, a, uh, it's an anti-spoiler chastity belt. And yes, <laughs> it does chafe from time to time. What are you afraid the spoilers are going to do to you, Matt? <laughs> that you're wearing a chastity belt, <laughs> Pete. They're going to make they're going to make the first time I see an episode not be special. They're going to take <laughs> that away. It's as simple Appar as that. Apparently so. Pete, but, let, uh, me, let, let me just tell you quickly. Um, opening weekend, uh, the, <laughs> the Sixth Sense. Okay, I wasn't sure whether they said theater nine or theater 10 i opened the door to theater nine to see fading out of white into black boom directed by m night Shyamalan. had i opened the door five seconds earlier i would have seen you know and here i'm going to spoil it because the movie came out in like 96 or whatever you know i would have seen bruce willis going oh fade to white fade to black implied acceptance of death and moving on to the next phase and you know in the afterlife etc so I'm spoiler tender, okay? <laughs> were you wearing your belt then? That was when I first realized there were people out there who wanted to take my take my <laughs> spoiler purity away, and I needed to protect against that. Mac comes along, though, and with his uh, term of endearment for uh, Daisy Tremors, gets everybody uh, back on board here. And uh, we're suddenly whisked away to Grand Cayman Island, where uh, Miss Wong, who uh, has just instructed her assistant to uh, have her batons ready, 
um, is revealed to be uh, enamored of the tie that the gentleman is wearing. This is what should be a fun break-in scene. Um, I, you know, it, it, it falls apart from the writer's end after the act breaks. So I'll discuss it at that point. But this is a fun setup nonetheless. I want to point out just a little camera thing here. Um, whoever directed this episode was uh, stymied by the fact that Ming-Na Wen is uh, of below average height and uh, Adrian Palicki is of above average height um, because we had shots particularly in this scene where we do a low camera angle so we can get a two shot of the two of them to account for their different heights. It was very stark, um, something that was not as apparent. Uh, stark, I get it. Yeah. In the uh, in the earlier fight scenes, so this particular set perhaps uh, proving cumbersome. But between the uh, the safe deposit box and the device, and then box thirty eight, uh, the caper doesn't go quite to plan. The glasses there feeding Bobby the information, and they trigger the alarm. Um, Matt, we're screwed. All right, Act Three, and uh, what's happening in here or there, Matt? Well, Bobby has everything absolutely under control. I want to stress that to everyone listening to this. She has everything under control. Chekhov's gun, in the form of not the gun that the guard has in a, you know in a moment, but Chekhov's right. gun in the form of the cool glasses that feed her information. You know, finally they've made Google Glass look cool. All it took was Adrian Palicki. It's all working. Boss man is convinced. And then for no reason other than we need a fight, they have a fight. The guard preps his pistol. That's all he does. Fine. He takes the protector thing off of it. I'm sure our pal Mike Sorensen could tell us what the proper name is for that. It's probably like a something guard. But, you know, fine. The guard preps his pistol. As someone else on Twitter said, and I apologize, I think it was an, uh, another Mike. Um, I think it was Mike D said, you know, yes. it would have been great if it was revealed they all spoke Mandarin or boss man spoke Mandarin the whole time. If you just added that one scene, you know, but excuse me, and then he says in Mandarin, I speak Mandarin, then there's your excuse to have the fight. Without that, there's no reason to have the fight. There is no reason. And for there to be a later scene, I was taught to avoid the fight to last resort. Yeah, no kidding. You're in a freaking, uh, uh, um, not Canadian, you're, you're in a freaking uh, Cayman Island bank, you know, the second most sneakiest banks in the world. Yeah, there's tons of security. You should be avoiding the fight. But they're not because the story needed a fight to happen. Well, uh, you know, diplomacy works, Matt, but not on the one guard. Yeah, and and um, I mean it's a good fight. It's fun. It's fun bit of you know, pow, punch, kazam kind of stuff. But narratively or, or narratively rather, maybe I'll I'll use actual smart words that are actual words. Narratively unnecessary, but there because I think somebody said we must have a fight here. And uh, before long, we're back with Daisy, Mac, and Hunter, who are tailing at a safe distance, of course, the ATCU number two, Banks, who uh, 
you know, leads a pretty boring life. And we'll come back to that. Meanwhile, someone has broken into Rosalind's home. And this too is a weirdly written scene because she leaves Colson, which allow you know, which allows him to wander around. He notes that there are all these Margaret Thatcher piles. Yeah. And there's new furniture. And then he's accused of being of scoping things out or she don't forget the bat. There is the bat, too. Absolutely. Um, which he doesn't fully explain what what's on there, which is set up for later to explain, oh, it's a collector's item because, oh, remember in that movie forever ago, he was into collecting things. And then there was reference with Lola in a couple episodes. We haven't seen Lola in a while. Like. Yes, Colson's a collector, but in this story... He's in, not the collector. Oh. I, he, he also hasn't been a collector lately. So I'm not saying I had forgotten he collected old-time stuff. I'm just saying that's not part of the guy he has been since aliens tried to take over his brain and gave him a map. And now he has a, a robot Inspector Gadget hand. It, it's just not part of who he is. And, and it's setting up the... you know. He's scoping around. She thinks he isn't scoping around. He's going to be retroactively scoping and then unscoping later. And it's just, it's a lot of story business that isn't expedient. That isn't story business. It's, again, Matt, writer's room. Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> card <laughs> on <laughs> the wall. <laughs> All right. Hey, only 15 minutes of episode to go. What are we going to do now? You know, hey, later on, we'll circle back around because, uh, the burger place can only have burgers gotten from them to butter him up and not because it's close to her house. You know, like it's a lot right. of just keep in time here. It's it's lash reveal episode go. OK, we need to kill time. Of course, he's supposed to be scoping things out. Why? Because they need a two minute sequence here. OK, Um but between that, between, uh, you know, Hunter uh, jumping out of the vehicle and uh, taking uh, Banks out so much for Stealthy, we end Act 3. And even in that, I mean, that's, that's narratively expedient. I mean, that's, when that's done right, it's Indiana Jones shooting the guy with the sword. With this, it's just like, Hunter, do you get that you're a spy and you just jumped out of this marked van which I think has its HD TV installation or you know, some kind of installation truck. You just jumped out of a van, pulled a bandana or your shirt or whatever, but like just went into like robber mode and shot a guy on the street. This is not good spy work. So it's expedient for the story because we need a three minute flashback at the end, but it's not in line with like, this is what anything other than an awful spy does. As Act 4 opens, uh, it's revealed he only iced, as we could have ascertained, uh, Banks. Um, but Hunter wants to test his blood. And Daisy uh, still thinks they need to talk about Hunter's anger issues. <laughs> Here we are again. It's like Hunter might have anger issues. Okay, well, we've never actually... We've never actually looked at Hunter as somebody who has anger issues. We do get, though, that he is a freaking mercenary for hire, right? You know, and he's one of our good guys. 
And it's great that he stayed to be an agent of shield and an agent singular of shield and maybe one day he'll make some sort of mistake to be one of marvel's most wanted spoiler matt predicts that'll be in the summer you know <laughs> but like okay fine he has an anger issue guess what these are all f- spy soldiers of course they have character defects that's what makes them interesting but we like him when he's angry man <laughs> Simmons, meanwhile, is parroting Dr. Garner back to Dr. Garner, talking about, uh, you know, their after effects of their traumas. And uh, he throws out the idea that it might be their PhDs talking. You know what's a really cool move is when somebody who's uh, emotionally traumatized from you know, an isolating and, and and difficult incident like being on, you know, planet Lost Island for, for six months and having takeoff necklace lay down uh, huggy kissy naked time <laughs> with with a man who is, you know, light years away. It's a boy and a girl in a galaxy far, far away. Um, what's a really cool move is when you parrot back to the mental uh, health person the mental health professional all like the the crap that they told you because you know it's just baloney anyway you're a science person and they're like into the brain and now you can be like yeah it's really annoying when people try and get your feelings <laughs> jerk how was that explosion that almost killed you oh did it make you reevaluate your life jerk pedantic psychobabble much <laughs> Luckily, Pete, this is interrupted by getting a call from Daisy to test yes. the blood because I think we're going to find out who Lash is tonight. Yeah. Again, <laughs> you, you do the song. I'll do Lash reveal episode because <laughs> it's it's all connected here, folks. Oh, uh, so, someone's not ready to uh, someone's not ready to open the curtain yet. <laughs> da, 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 da. Right. Um. But uh, I get the feeling that uh, Simmons would have done anything Daisy would have asked at that point to get out of that conversation as strained as it comes across, given not the nature of the actor's performances. You know, um, Elizabeth Henstridge and, and Blair Underwood are, you know, fine there. It's, it's the character's motivations that, that seem false. And again, that's the problem with this episode. It's not that it's, it's not that it's unbelievable situations or it's not that it's unbelievable dialogue or anything like that, or it's not unbelievable parts. We've seen the spry, the, the spy break in followed by the, you know, the kick punch fight. It's just how it's all assembled in this weird ill-fitting story flow and and the actors at times it's like they're playing characters that are that are mirror mirror versions of themselves but uh back in the van there as hunter has gone through uh banks's phone which he labels boring there's not even a selfie Um, They leave him unconscious in the car because Mac warns them that he's seen Lash up close and doesn't really want to recreate that. Um, Rosalind. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Before you go to Rosalind, I just want to point out something. The reveal that that, uh, Banks was back in his car was revealed by 
the shield van driving by it. Yes. And then he was in there behind it. Now, Pete, I want to ask you, you've got an unconscious guy in the back of your van. How do you get him from the back of the van into the car? I'm going to give you two options. One is to drive the van really, really close and quick, get him in the door. Another one is to have the van like 30 feet away and then take have two people take him out and put him in the car. Which one do you do, close van or far van? <laughs> You, you do the one that's going to uh, not be shown and give you the most dramatic shot as they drive away. Which is my point, because essentially they drive by his car after they must have driven by it to put him into it because they know that they need to have the cool reveal. But the fact that we're catching this, I mean, this is not, you know, like, oh, what's that? Is that a bird or is that a munchkin in the background of that one scene in Wizard of Oz? Like, this is just... You did a cool thing that doesn't make sense. Therefore, you broke the fourth wall. Rosalind did a cool thing, Matt. She ordered burgers. That's always a cool thing, Pete. However, what's not cool is when somebody looks at free burgers and says, you're just doing this because I like burgers. But her computer's still there. Uh, she points out that this is the first time her apartment has ever been broken into, and it's on a day when Coulson knew she would be out of the house. He wonders if this stuff is even hers. And then there's that bat again, all triple crown winners. And, and for the, uh, the uninitiated, Matt, a triple crown is uh, for uh, hitting, of course, is uh, batting average, home runs, and RBIs leading all three category in either the uh, senior circuit, the National League, or the junior circuit, the American League. It's been some time since that's happened. And uh, Colson sizes this bat up at a cool seven grand. But you want to go see the facility? Let's go see the facility. So wait, I'm confused. Let's now just for a moment on this scene because it's not level, level sevenable. Let's just skip to the end of the episode now. Look back fully outside the narrative here. Pete, who broke in and why? Was it shield? Was it staged? Or was it just like Bandito in a black you know, mask? And it was just a weird coincidence. Like what are we supposed to believe? Because I'm confused. And you should be confused because narratively, Matt, it's never decided. Why? Here's the flashcard again on the wall, Matt, and it says flash reveal episode. Because so, I mean, essentially, they learned to trust each other because on that random day, someone randomly decided to break into the 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 headquarters of somebody or not the headquarters, the home of someone akin to the head of the CIA. You're telling me this person doesn't have security out there 24-7 just as a physical person sitting in an SUV? That's unreasonable. And here we are again. This is, this is, these are the, 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 the poorly stitched threads of this episode. Aboard the Zephyr One, uh, there's discussion about Von Strucker, and there's a tense May Morse uh, holding back conversation that they were definitely going to talk about in Level 7. Um, right after that, we wind up with Kibo and Ward, and uh, Ward reaches out to the Powers Booth character, 
uh, telling him he wondered when he would hear from him. Pete, the last time there was something silly in my notes, we descended into just pure chaos. So I'm going to keep on my big boy pants here and not giggle, but I just want to say I'm not quite sure what I was intending to write, uh, but here's what I have. Cut to Ward angry and taking a call from Powers Booth. He's giving Ward KBS, that's Kid Von Strucker, for a price to be naked later. It, I, it might be because, you know, the, the thing that Ward uh, talks about, he says that all of the others were afraid of you. Um, and uh, Powers Booth's character is dangling redemption, something we've seen repeatedly with Ward's characters. But, uh, you know, Powers Booth talks about how um, these are mistakes in the game plan, that Strucker is a pawn when he shouldn't even be uh, on the board at this point. But S.H.I.E.L.D. has moved for him. Uh, so has Hydra. Um, so, yeah, just remember here, I'm going to tell you where he is, and uh, you remember me later on. Indeed, it's for a price to be to be claimed later, um, not naked later. But let's move on, Pete. Let's move on to Mac, Hunter, and Daisy desperately trying to remain relevant in the episode. With the uh, dwarf drone 2.0 there, um, they are, uh, you know, deploying that into the ATCU facilitator. Um, meanwhile, the, which by the way, Pete, thank goodness that when the number two of the ATCU was summoned there, he was summoned by like name of the street or name of the building, whatever it was (laughs) where she was able to do a quick Google search. Daisy was to be like, Oh, that reminds me of such and such, whatever. So let's drive over to there. Cause thank goodness it's in town. Like again, we're seeing the threads of this episode here. Well, the thread of uh, Banks potentially being an inhuman is dropped here because he has no markers in his blood. Um, but but uh, between um, Simmons having helped uh, Daisy and Fitz helping May, they're now all done with that. So we've got to have the requisite conversation about how we need to get Will back and go back through the portal. Because it's a storyline for some other time. And let's see, Pete, this is the sixth episode, right? And we're expecting mm-hmm. about ten before the break. So let's take out our old calendar here, Pete. So we have six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. That would take us to December 1st. Maybe we go to 11, December 8th. I bet you, Pete, at the end of this fall block of episodes, wait for it, we get more with Will. Or Matt, before the end of the November sweeps period. Ooh, I like that even better. Yeah, well, you know, come on. We are talking about Jeff Loeb and his uh, thou shalt not stretch a mystery more than two episodes rule. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I hate you, Lost. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, Having run dozens of simulations here, Fitz didn't want to disappoint uh, Simmons. And she tells him, uh, well, if you just knew Will, and he says, I am going to know him. 
Um, and it's revealed as Simmons has left the scene that Fitz has done quite a bit of research and might know Will pretty well already. Dun, dun, dun. But back to the less interesting story where Daisy has a cloaked <laughs> dwarf and they reveal Pete a person. What kind of person? Uh, a person in some, you know, orange goo in suspended animation. Um, but they're monitoring him and uh, the ATCU, it's revealed here, is storing in humans, pan back to get a better shot of Rosalind and Coulson watching all of this and for the you know inhuman on the team that we root for this is a knife to the chest but not for us the audience because we've seen the other side of the story where he's been brought there to learn all the secrets and actually is a thing of trust which is why it's a weird act break because it's more shocking to a character than it is we the people need to hang around during the act break to watch the commercials that make this show possible. And Act 5 here, Matt, uh, you know, they're trying to turn the volume up. They, they can't hear anything. But, you know, Coulson should be freaking out. It doesn't look like he is. Bring back the dwarf. And uh, come to find that he is, in a manner of speaking, uh, you know, voicing his concern. The fact that he's greeted with the coldness of this, he says it's certainly efficient. Um, Rosalind tells him that it's a form of stasis, that they're asleep, that she didn't want to initially show him. Um, but, uh, you know, he says what Daisy wanted him to say, that this looks like a horror movie. But uh, she talks about, Rosalind talks about how this is an illness. They are working on a cure. They're so close, Matt, maybe like a couple episodes away. Um, but likens their condition um, in this stasis to a medically induced coma. But we find out about Rosalind here, don't we? We, we do. And then just to review here, it's, we, find, we start to find out about Rosalind after Coulson should be horrified, but Daisy says he isn't, so that's a problem. And then Coulson becomes horrified by it because that's the nature of suspense, is to set things up and then have them happen as they were set up. In, in stasis, Matt, no one can hear you scream. Because <laughs> you don't. But Pete, doesn't Rosalind wish that she could have put somebody in stasis? Not for punishment, which, by the way, um, I don't think this is quite as horrible as they're making it out to be. It's like dangerous and humans just put on pause until we can do something about it. Uh, hello, it's called Austin Powers and Demolition Man. But, <laughs> Pete, who has Rosalind lost? Let's, let's hit a home run with that bat. A sad home run. Wow, <laughs> sad home run. Um, in a, in a week where, uh, there's been some sadness with, uh, my baseball club, um, she lost her cardiologist. And by that, Matt, I don't mean the doctor who checked her heart, but the doctor who had it. Oh, wow. Well done, Pete. Yes. She lost her husband who died of cancer and we're told it was a long time ago. And of course they were, you know, a super professional couple there because, because why not? And um, 
it's also at the, you know the time of the episode where you know we need to, we need to be reminded that Roz does things that are a necessary evil, and we need to just kind of take the the devil horns off her because she's lost someone, Pete. She's lost someone, and it's just like okay, we get it now. She's humanized. Now she cool peeps. And uh, you know we've discussed this before. Has there been a, a relationship brewing more than the platonic business sense between Colson and Rosalind, and never more clear that that's building than in this episode? Pete, I don't know if Rosalind can play the cello, but I think that she can play Phil Colson's heartstrings. Wing. <laughs> With that, Pete, we cut to what we always want towards the end of an episode. You know, a torture scene. <laughs> May and Morse uh, break in the door there searching for Von Strucker. Um, and here we go, Matt. Suddenly she's fighting Kibo by the pool. Um, May wants to know where she can find Ward. Um Kibo tells uh, Bobby that he's taken down men three times her size. But uh, how does he beat her? I'm sorry, how does she beat him, Matt? Of course, with experience and electrified batons. Pete, we know that the batons are the, the weapon of choice from the Mockingbird, or of the Mockingbird, rather. What weapon does May have before they kick down the door? I didn't see one. I thought she had a gun. I'll tell you, she should have had a gun. Because here's a different scenario. If you're not trying to kill time before the end of the episode, they kick the door down. Okay, these are all bad Hydra people. Uh, Heck, S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't even an official, legally sanctioned organization. Okay, you shoot the bastards. You kick the door down. You shoot everyone who's not hanging from cuffs from the ceiling. Then the bad guys are still dead. And Kid Von Strucker is alive and you get meaningful information out of him. Instead, you know, they bring their fists to a gunfight and there's just more collateral damage. But it does take up a good two and a half minutes of the episode. But all this boils down to Von Strucker explaining that he tried to do what Ward wanted. We had him, uh, but he didn't know he'd change into that thing. And that's where the audience, Matt, goes, wait, what thing? Okay, to get the flashback. That's the flashback sound. Yeah, okay, where uh, Garner, of course, transforms into Lash. But wait, Matt, it can't be true because Melinda May says it must not be true. Well, Pete, I think that in a future episode... We need a kindly, ancient, trustworthy teacher fellow to say, you know, your father, he is. Your ex-husband, Lash is. There (laughs) is another. That's impossible. (laughs) So, yeah, it's almost like we're setting up conflict for future episodes. Our tag here features Daisy on the phone with Lincoln, safe as houses. Indeed, it's all, you know, and we get to enjoy the next 15, 14, 
13 until there's the trace 11 because we're really special 9 oh I guess I should hang up mm. no you hang up first and they literally count down seconds that they can eat up for this episode yeah before um, Garner who we now know definitively to be Flash comes by oh hey is that the guy I want to kill I mean was that Lincoln because, you know, now my motivations on killing all these people don't seem clear, but I, I kind of would like to kill your boyfriend. And, uh, hey, maybe we could have round two of uh, my blue powers versus your wavy clear powers. Uh, maybe in some kind of mid-season finale in a couple weeks, like a month maybe. Um, but okay. Goodbye. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys, Matt. First up, Ward. Uh, not enough Ward in this episode. Not enough nuanced Ward in this episode. Most of it that mwahahaha, I'm going to play a larger role in the future, and I'm not entirely confident that the writers know what that is. It's been a very uneven season so far for Ward, apart from not being in each episode and having some gaps in there. Um, there's been, you know, well done Ward and uh, not as well done Ward. It's certainly not a fault of uh, Brett Dalton. It's it's what is on the page for certain episodes. And, and here is just not the greatest material other than the the mustache twirling type of villain how about uh the the guy matt you affectionately refer to as kvs kid von strucker werner von strucker well pete i said he's probably going to be around for about three or four episodes and he was around for three or four episodes um he kind of looks like a d-bag and even (laughs) did when he died so I, for one, am just kind of glad that uh, this uh, this uh, trust fund joker here is done with. Your boy Kibo, too, uh, who we've also referred to as BB-8. <laughs> you got a lot of nicknames for some of these guys. Uh, he bought the farm there as well. Um, gotta say, for a, an episode that falls short, it was certainly a memorable death. It, it definitely was. Uh, we have never seen someone electrocuted in a pool before on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so at least this episode had that going for it. Clearly, a highlight of this episode is uh, the inclusion of Powers Booth. Still not named, heavily implied that he is the World Security Council character uh, glimpsed only in shadow in uh, the original Avengers movie, but uh, not yet directly connected to that and and certainly doesn't need to be, although I think we're going to find that he is. Definitely looking forward to seeing his backstory and learning more about him in the future. I liked uh, on top of, uh, you know, if he was indeed that character, the idea that he's been playing both sides and in this episode playing both sides. One minute he's got, um, you know, Kid Von Strucker with him and he's reassuring him about, you know, what a 
what a good bad guy his dad was. And then he's on the phone with Ward wheeling and dealing. How about Matt? Uh, ATCU number two and uh, at one point possible in human banks. Pete, it's like any episode of CSI that anyone has ever seen. <laughs> do they really ever find, you know, do they find the bad guy 20 minutes into the episode? Nope. To me, Banks Banks checks out clean, if, if you get what I'm saying there. He's, he's okay. He's okay in my book, my checkbook. And uh, we've talked a little bit of baseball here with uh, – Triple Crown winners. So let's go round the horn all the way back to Dr. Garner, who, of course, is revealed as Lash. It's it's a nice reveal. Perhaps it's a bit heavy-handed in the episode, uh, uh, particularly on, on retrospect. But it, it's fun. I mean, you know, this is a show that kind of relishes its, you know, grand surprises. And it's the most kind of comic booky of of Marvel television uh, offerings. I think it's a fun, fun turn. Welcome to level seven. Analyze and theorize, Matt. First up, Powers Booth's character here. Is he or isn't he the very same character from the Avengers? I'm going to say he definitely is. That's the purpose of having got him. And I think the fact, as I said earlier, that you know, his status uh, from the one movie to the next was not clear. I mean, it wasn't one Avengers movie to the next. But, you know, in the movies, his character kind of suddenly disappeared. I think you throw that in with a line or two of, you know, oh, I got out because I knew things were going to explode with Hydra. Um, and whether he's full-on Hydra or Hydra sympathetic, I think it's, um, it's great to have this character jump from the movies into the show in such a fashion. Let's talk about uh, Bobby Morse, Matt. Uh, there's this tense fight with May early in the episode, which is revealed as a ruse. Just needed to make sure you were mission ready. There's this very heavy conversation later on Zephyr 1 where May essentially you know, dogs her out for holding back and we're ultimately left with a... Uh, you know, rather tearful shot of her. Matt, is she with child? Pete, this was not a theory I had uh, considered until you sent me a text mid-episode, and I have grown to love this as a theory. I think it's a great, um, it's a great twist. Um, it, it also allows for both conflict and sympathy between Bobby and uh, May in that, you know, May was going to choose the path of, uh, you know, motherhood and domesticity uh, over, uh, you know, over her career and, uh, and you know, ultimately did not go that route. And um, I like that they could potentially explore that kind of conversation within the confines of this action adventure show. So I'm going to, Vote 110% yes behind the the Spoiler Pete theory, or perhaps I guess we'll find out, is it a Spoiler Pete fact? Open that mailbag, Matt. Let's check the wire. Pete, we're going to keep it short and sweet from the mailbag today, but 
This comes from uh, somebody on Twitter who I assume you've seen at the meetings. It's at Hydra <laughs> underscore lives. And Hydra lives says jaw dropped, mind blown, drawers, poo emoji, one hell of a hashtag 50 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. A great time to acknowledge that uh, the show has turned to the big 5-0, Pete. Yes, something that uh, quite a bit was uh, made of at New York Comic Con last month with uh, with Jeff Loeb, uh, Clark Gregg, and uh, Chloe Bennett on hand, and of course we know the uh, the, the time uh, the time frame of uh, you know episodic TV usually takes about uh, you know. Um, three to four weeks between uh, filming an episode to the time that it ultimately airs, give or take. And uh, right about the time they had uh, filmed this episode. By the way, Pete Hydra lives also says on Twitter, electro batons add that to my Christmas list too. So Pete, I'll let you uh, look forward to that in the old secret Santa that you Hydra folks do. I got mine last year. But Pete, do you know what is an even greater gift than getting electro batons under the old Christmas tree? Uh, electro tentacles? <laughs> no, although I guess in some quarters tentacles are quite the chic thing. It's interacting with you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter P I E T E R J K L R K E T E L A A R six thousand. 586 followers can't be wrong and while i am personally on twitter as looking back lost you can be in touch with the podcast in a variety of ways we are fantastic geek that's fantastic with a ph you can find us under that name on the dot com the gmail the twitter but wait pete there's more facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word it's become the place to be and certainly with our uh, fall giveaway which you may want to be in on uh, just going to remind you that anytime you uh, share um, one of our posts uh, either on facebook or on uh, twitter with a non following uh non-friend depending on the social media platform uh we're keeping track of those and uh each time you do it you enter yourself into our drawing for uh, a little something something we're going to give away at the end of this fall block of episodes so uh share tag away with those friends that aren't yet part of the fantastic geek fam because they soon will be. Indeed, always great that we can get together. Pete, there's something like our approximately 57th or 58th consecutive week of getting stuff out, whether it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., whether it's Marvel movies, Star Wars, Rebels, or whatever. Glad, as always, that we can uh, get together with all of you, the audience. And with that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Pete, aren't you going to, you know, say the thing? You already know.